This is a True Foundations podcast. Real time, real life, real answers. Just taking some things out that I think will be good for us. So let me read from verse 24. A disciple is not above his teacher or a slave above his master. It is enough for a disciple to become like his teacher and a slave like his master. If they call the head of the house Beelzebul, how much more the members of his house. Therefore, don't be afraid of them, since there is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, and nothing hidden that won't be made known. What I tell you in the dark, speak in the light. What you hear in a whisper, proclaim on the housetops. Don't fear those who kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul. Rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground without your father's consent. But even the hairs of your head have all been counted. Don't be afraid, therefore. You are worth more than many sparrows. The words of Jesus to his disciples, they were going out to do a great task. it, it, It was a... In many ways, a difficult task, a frightening task even. They'd not done this kind of thing before. They'd been with with Jesus. They'd seen what he did, what he said, how he uh, behaved himself, his demeanor, all of those things. And and of course, in this this passage, uh, the whole of the chapter, Jesus is warning about the difficulties ahead. He's not just doing that. It's not the only thing, but it's really important that we take hold of this. Because there were good things to come. As some people would be set free from demonic power, for example. Some people would be healed. As some people would actually become followers of Jesus. Not during this particular time. That's what he was focusing on. But he was also thinking of the future where his disciples would go, and not just them, uh, those who would take hold of that call to declare the gospel down through the ages. He has them in mind. And so they had seen the good things, and I'm sure encouraged by them. But there is reality here as well that we all need to face if we are to be serious about declaring the gospel. Now, I am sure that some Christians go through their whole life without ever doing that. It's not meant to be like that. I I am sure they they get the easy ride in that sense. Not that life is always easy, I'm not suggesting that. But in terms of the gospel and the Christian who says they follow Christ, then there are things that would happen, would take place, that otherwise wouldn't. And he's talking about that. And what he says to lay the groundwork is, look, this is happening to me. It'll happen to you. Don't think you're exempt from it. See, there is a cost in following Christ. There is a cost in uh, taking hold of the gospel and especially in declaring it. There is a cost to it. Jesus was very, very clear about that. He says, don't expect... Uh, that it can be any other way. And it isn't. 
for anybody that has experience of sharing the gospel throughout their Christian life, there will be the times of great encouragement because a word has gone out and somebody has responded. And all the more exciting, all the better that they ex they they just respond there and then. Doesn't happen often. I wish it would happen more and more. It is wonderful. Uh, some people just dismiss it. You kind of get used to that. Because that seems to be the general rule. But increasingly, in the day that we are in, uh, and down through the ages, this is the way it often is, there are times uh, when it seems as if the evil one is really pressing hard against real Christians. Pressing hard against the truth of the gospel. Uh, and so opposition comes. Sometimes persecution. Jesus is saying, don't think you'll escape it. Because if you are serious about following me, if you are serious about declaring the gospel, it's going to happen. They did it though, didn't they? See, that, that's the wonderful thing. They did it. Because clearly they grasped hold of something. They didn't fully understand yet. It was a little bit later on that Peter made his great declaration of who Jesus really is. They're beginning to think about Messiah, what that means. But somehow, in drawing close to Jesus and following him, they, they knew that was the safest place to be, the best place to be. They were drawn to him. And somewhere inside, even though they could not fully express it yet, they were on board. And so Jesus, he told them they were ready to hear. And it's not just about name calling. There's a lot of that these days. I mean, you just need to read in the media. It's just all the name calling of Christians. If they, if they call the head of the house, he's talking about himself. Beelzebul, that's kind of Lord of the Flies idea. Ah, yes, the devil himself. If they will twist things so far uh, that they call something which is absolutely good, evil, don't be surprised. They'll do it to you. And the pregnancy centers are experiencing this. It's not just misinformation, it's absolute. Mali it's malicious they know all the facts they take the facts and they twist them and, and good people who are there trying to save life and do something really good and worthwhile they're demonized that's reality in the world that we live in at the moment don't be surprised nobody wants it you don't put yourself out there to create that environment nobody wants it but it's reality. And, and he goes on to explain something. Of course, he says, don't be, don't be afraid of them. We'll come back to that in a moment. He goes on and he talks about, it's a strange phrase, what I tell you, what you hear in the darkness, a whisper. Now, think about that. It's not as if somehow Jesus is, is taking them into a corner. You know, just, oh, just be careful what you do. Be careful what you say. Whisper, 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 whisper. 
the humility of Jesus, who without fear and without shame declared the kingdom of God. And he likened it to a whisper in the darkness. What humility. Well, of course, it is darkness. That's why he came. If we get our, our creation theology right, let there be light. That begins to put boundaries on darkness. No, that's in the physical order of the world. But God shows things in that. He shows the greater truth of the light that comes to push back the darkness and in the end dispel it completely. That's why Jesus came. He's the light of the world. He even said that himself. People didn't get it. And there is a sense in the Gospels, most of the Gospels, that, that when Jesus went about his mission, it, it was kind of almost under wraps a little bit. Why? Because he's waiting for resurrection. And so, as he goes along, it's kind of like a whisper in the darkness. But after the resurrection, it's a different story. Shout it out there. Shout it on the rooftops. Christ has come, and he has taken upon him the sin of the world. He has pulled down the powers of evil. Don't be ashamed of it. Declare it. Shout it out there. And of course, that's what happened, isn't it, after the resurrection? He's preparing them for what they must expect. Now, the normal response when you know you're going into a place of opposition, and if you read the full chapter, you'll see that sometimes opposition comes from places where you at least expect it. <laughs> Even talked about family. Opposition to something which is absolutely good and is the answer to all of life's issues and problems, the problem of evil in the world. It's the answer to all of that. And opposition comes from unexpected places. It can be intense, persecution, even life-threatening. Don't be afraid of them. And what Jesus is saying here is, there is a much bigger picture going on. We, we can get locked into our own particular little world and circumstances, and you can feel the fear, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do that. You know, I, I just... I, what if, what if, what if it means people turn against me? What if it means that people that I, I've been close to, what if they don't want to know me anymore? All of these things that sometimes go through the minds of people. But Jesus is telling them, God is the sovereign Lord and God is a God of justice. And he's saying, look, don't be afraid because you might find... In the now, things are against you. But God has his time when justice is done and is seen to be done. Now, he's, he's speaking particularly about the end in that. That's what he has in mind. And because God is a just God, he will not let anything go. There won't be anything that will slip under the net anywhere. The, the, absolutely everything that has ever taken place in the, in the history of this world will be accountable for God, and the God of justice will put everything right. 
Now that's a big concept and sometimes the big concept is hard because you think, well, okay, that sounds good, but what about me now? But we have to keep in mind who God is, that he is good, he is just. We have to keep all of that in mind because our final hope is in that. The goodness of God triumphs over all evil. So we invest ourselves in that because it's true. And then we begin to take something of that now to strengthen us here and today. God doesn't leave everything till then, of course. That's the final wrapping up when ultimate judgment will be given over everything. But we know as we read the Bible that sometimes justice comes sooner. But what it tells us in all of this is that God is a God of mercy. And that's the story of the Old Testament, really. You look at Israel, the nation, the times they rebelled against God. And because he's a God of mercy, he warned them. That's proper. But also, he waited. And he waited. He's, he's slow to anger. In other words, the working out of that anger, because he's angry at sin, but the working out of it, at the justice that needs to come to deal with it. Why? Because he loves. Why? Because he's merciful. Why? Because he wants people to come to him and, and repent. Receive forgiveness so that when judgment comes, he says, well done. That's what he wants. But, as we know, our mercy is not without boundaries. It's there for a purpose so that people can own their sin, confess it, repent of it, receive forgiveness, and be set free. That's what it's for. But sometimes he comes, and he did that with Israel. It's clear on more than one occasion. You read through the New Testament, and you see there is the merciful God, but sometimes he acts almost immediately because somebody has crossed the line. And he knows them. He knows their heart. He knows what they're doing. He knows where they're going with it. And he says, enough is enough. There's no mercy here. Judgment now. And judgment now gives us the confidence that there will be judgment then. If we left it all, you would think, well, what's all this justice business about? That's why God puts in into the, uh, the hands of government justice. They don't always do it very well, but he, he puts it there. Why? Because it's an illustration that there is accountability uh, and there's a penalty to be paid. And sometimes God comes and there is justice now, and that will be true. That's true for us in this life. And what he says is this, nothing's hidden. God knows it all. Uh, so you've, you, you, you've suffered injustice. So you've come against opposition. And you think, this isn't fair. Of course it's not fair. Nobody says it's fair. But if the mercy of God is at work, let's rejoice in that. Why? Because as long as the mercy of God is there, there is opportunity for the thing to be dealt with, settled. So we should easily go with the mercy of God. It's not a soft option. Because sometimes it is necessary to say, right, this is not acceptable. We're dealing with it now. You need wisdom for that. 
But this is what Jesus is showing them because these guys are going to come across. They're going to come across wonderful things. They, they're going to see what God did on the day of Pentecost. They're going to see how the Gentile world was approached. Uh, and then God moved upon them. And, and thousands of people came to Christ. Those are great moments. But also, they're going to see that in some places, they will be totally rejected that in some places they will be cast out and persecuted. And yet, whichever their confidence is in what Jesus is about to do for them at this point on the cross, their confidence is in the justice of God to see everything right. That's really strengthening. It takes a weight off you because then you don't have to do the vengeance thing. Justice is wandering, justice is proper, and sometimes you're angry, and it's right, as long as you don't let the anger rule you, and you know where to put it, and it's in its right place. But it gives you great confidence, because you can go and do what God calls you to do. And he says, do it without fear. And then he goes on and he says, look, let's, let's make a distinction here. This actually is a life principle. It's not just about declaring the gospel. That's in mind, that's the focus, but it's a life principle. You're going to go somewhere, you're going to speak the truth, and you're going to live the truth. So the words you speak are the words that God would give you, and the way you lead your life, the actions that you do in life, they're going to be according to what God requires. And some people are going to hurt you for it. That's the reality of life. He, he talked about just before this, that maybe there'd even be members of your family that'll oppose you. That's hurtful, isn't it? Now, some people are hurt about everything, you know, and they probably need to get over that. And some people are hurt about nothing. Why? Because they're hard. So hurt is real, but I think there is a place in which you shouldn't be even hurt, never mind. And there are places where it should hurt you because it should touch you deep inside. That's one thing. But he says this, and this is one of the great principles of the Christian life. Do you know nothing can harm you? Well, not unless you let it. And that's the problem. All of us, at some point in our life, we've let things harm us. Whether it's a real hurt or a perceived hurt doesn't even matter. We let things harm us. Well, if you do that, that'll knock you off track. Yeah, you won't be able to see things clearly. Uh, your justice thing will get skewed. Uh, and it will twist you inside. Uh, and you won't live life in the way that God intends. There is actually no excuse for any Christian to come under harm. Uh, and, and if you have, and you probably have at some point in your life, you have to deal with it and put it away. Because we've not understood something properly. Uh, we've not seen God for who he really is. We have not trusted in the justice of God who will bring all things, things that are hidden, they're there. And yet, he, I, I wish somebody knew about that. But one day, if they have not dealt with their stuff on it, and if you have not dealt with your stuff on it, one day it'll be shown. Because God is a God of justice. It's right. And justice is an outworking of his love. 
and his love is an outworking of his goodness so we can rely upon all of those things and in this life if our trust is properly in Jesus and what he did if we grasp the goodness of God if we fully understand what his love means if we see that justice is ultimately in his hand we can put away vengeance it doesn't mean that we say it doesn't matter it doesn't mean that if the circumstances are appropriate for it we should not address the issue it doesn't mean that but it says God is the sovereign Lord everything is within his hand what have I got to fear because that's what he's saying what have you got to fear these people can do awful things to you. They might even take your life. But he says in the scheme of eternity, they cannot determine where you go after you have died. It's not in their power. I think that's brilliant. It's wonderful. See, that's in God's hand. But it has to be settled in the now. See, that's, that's the issue with it. But that's proper, isn't it? That's part of justice. It's right. You have to settle it now. And when it is settled, and then when you have addressed some of these issues, it's all fine, you get hurt. But are you harmed? If you are, you're not fully trusting in the goodness of God. And if you if you like that, there's some fear in you. You might not think it's fear, but it is. And it presents itself from time to time. It presents itself in the way you react to people, to circumstances. And Jesus, he's, this is a great school. It's the best school ever. He's preparing them to live the life totally given over to him and his purposes and doing it well. And he's strengthening them so that they might declare the gospel without fear, without favor, without any compromise cleanly, purely, for what it is. That's what he's doing. Uh, and we have this, this great benefit of having this written down for us here. And he's done that because he's kind. He wants us to hear the same words that these first disciples heard. And then in due course, he wants us to have the same empowering that they received at Pentecost. Uh, and if we would just simply come and say, Lord, thank you for this. I, I know I've still got some stuff that's not resolved, but I do want to resolve it. I want to live that life which is fully committed to you. I want to be effective for the cause of the gospel. I don't want to live in fear. And these are messages of hope and of faith and a total reliance in the goodness of our God. Amen. Thank you for joining us. True Foundations is headed by David J. Jones, a preacher and teacher of the Word of God. His passion is to help individual Christians discover their true identity in Christ and to learn how grace operates in their lives. Currently residing in Canada, he is taught in both North America and the UK and has listeners all over the world. If you have questions about anything you've heard today, please email us at info at truefoundations.ca. 
Or for more information on True Foundations resources, please visit our website at truefoundations.ca.